0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah Podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. Your Bibles, if you would turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 22. Genesis, chapter 22. Um, I'm gonna jump right in and uh, I want to talk to you out of the subject tonight of called uh, Faith Tested. Faith Tested that's who God's created has become. I believe 100% that we, um, in seasons of our life, all of us like the fact of we love the increase, we love uh, the promotions, we love those things, but. We don't like the other side of that, and we always, we're in the South, so we say it. We rebuke we the devil. You know, I rebuke the devil. I'm, I'm facing a storm, so all of a sudden, I just say, you better get behind me, and we start rebuking him, and it's like, well, oh, wait a second. Is that him, or is that God doing this? Because I'm being tested. None of us like to be tested. We don't like to be uncomfortable. There's a reason we always say, well, God God wouldn't make me uncomfortable. He gave you the comforter for a reason, <laughs> Right? He gave you Holy Spirit for a reason. Jesus came incarnate to show you who the Father was. So, um, when God is ready to give you a new level of experience, hang with me, I'll, I'll read the scripture. When God is ready to give you a new level of experience with Him, it comes with a test. How many of you say I, I, I like I would want spiritual promotion in my life? I want to go to that next place in God. Everybody, anybody? I say everybody. Maybe there's some people who say I'm good where I'm at, you know, but that's not good. I love what uh, Smith Wigglesworth said. He said, "If you're not progressing in God, then you're backsliding." Pretty bold for a guy that moved in bold faith. Well, what does that mean? That means that I am supposed to be pursuing. There should be a pursuit of my heart because the encounter produces pursuit. When you encounter the goodness of God, it produces you to have more. I gotta press into God. I love his, I love the way the experience, I love the presence of the Lord. So that produces a pursuit. Well, your pursuit produces an encounter and an experience with God. We don't do this for the encounter, it comes with it, right? When I read scripture, I'm not just reading a historical document, I'm reading a living word so the author is still alive. So he shows up when I read. Okay? So think about that when you're reading scripture. So a test means that it's, when God begins to bring a test into my life, it means that it's a preparation for a higher level, right? We're almost to midterms for our students there, are maybe if if you're a college student here tonight, we're almost at midterm, and so that's testing what you've known over, and you knew it was coming, I'm just telling you. you, you knew this stuff was coming, and you dread it, and you're looking for it, but it's to test all that you've learned, and all that you know, but, so when you pass that, you know that you're going to the next place, we hope, So you know it's a major test when it calls for something significant in your life. When God brings a test into your life, uh, it calls for something significant in your life. And at the same time, it absolutely makes no sense. Anybody ever been there? I'm just telling you, we've been there. My wife and I have been there. It's like... God begins to put his hand on you And brings a test into your world Like I'm not ready for this That's most of the time How you know that you are ready for that Because you're fully dependent upon him And not on your own strength You with me? All right. So it's it's full dependence upon him There is no independence You've got to give up your right to understand Or to do it on your own If you're that person tonight God's going to challenge you tonight I'm telling you He's coming after you I mean that. I know that sounds funny, but that's the truth. He's coming after you tonight. So in Genesis, let's read verses. Uh, um, I want to read Genesis 22, verses 1 through 3, and, and to set this up, um, because this is where we talk about the testing of faith. And I want to talk about, because we talk about the blessing of Abraham, and we're actually heirs uh, uh, heirs according to the promise because of Abraham. And it, simply he just believed, and because he believed, it was put into, righteousness was put into his credit, into his account, Okay. So Genesis 22, verse 1 says, And now it came after these things that God tested Abraham. Satan did not test Abraham. God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham. And Abraham said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac. Isn't it interesting? Your only son whom you love. God's making it evident and clear. And he says, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains on which I will tell you. That makes no sense. Does that make sense to anybody? First off, let me say this. I had somebody come to me one time. It's been many years ago. It's probably, and they were just new in the faith. And they said, Pastor AJ, is God going to ask me for my child to be sacrificed? I said, no, 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 not at all. He's not going to do that. Um, but Anyway. So God is asking for his only son to be sacrificed. Not only to be sacrificed, but to be burnt there on an altar before him. Verse 3 says, look, look at this. So Abraham got up. Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac and split the wood for the burning offering. And he set out and went to the place which God had told him. As I said, verse 2 absolutely makes no sense at all. Why would God, if you look anything on Abraham, a really cool story starts in Genesis chapter 12. We see where he actually starts and enters into the equation. God's voice just comes out of nowhere and says, Abraham, I want you to get out of the land where you are, away from your family, from your father's house, into a land I will show you. None of us are moving at that point. I'm just telling you. If the Lord speaks to you, it's says, well, yes, I would. Yeah, I know, you'll be like, wait a second, I don't know if that was really God. (laughs) I'm not sure that God really spoke that to me. But now he's asking in verse 3, I want your son as a sacrifice. How do you worship God when God's working a number on you? Come on, I'm serious. I'm not going to church. Man, look at what my life is. My, My life is a wreck right now. It's a mess. And, and I, well, why would I? Why would I worship the Lord? Why would? What do you mean? You're asking for my only son. How, how, you're you're the one testing me, and now you're taking it to the next level. What do you mean? Abraham had to obey. Here, listen to this part. Abraham had to obey without the details. And that's that. That's so many of us. He only listen to this. He only got the details when he started moving. The details came after the fact. Well, I've, I've got a word from the Lord, but have you acted on what you've previously received? You're still sitting. You're still standing where you are, and you're like, well, I'm not getting my next step. Well, maybe you need to take a step. If you, if you haven't heard the preceding word of God, what did the preceding word of God say? And you're not doing that. You haven't fulfilled that. Therefore, um, God can't give you the next portion of the word or the next portion of the detail because you need it right now. You want it now. So many of us need all the details before we go all in. That's not the way the kingdom, the kingdom of God works. Your calling does not come with conditions. Well, why to say God? You got to tell me what my what, what, what's what's my job gonna be? What's this gonna be? What's my four hundred one k gonna be? What, what who am I gonna be marrying? And God's like, I, I, I didn't. I just told you to take off. Trust me on everything. And then as you move, as you go, as you're just a faithful steward and a disciple of Jesus. Do you understand what a disciple is? I'm going to reiterate that to us tonight. A disciple is a disciplined, something that our nation does not like, or this world, or my generation for that matter, hates discipline. Don't tell me what I'm supposed to do. I'm not submitting to nobody. I am my own authority. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, if you go work for a CEO or a job or something like that, somebody's going to tell you what to do, right? or else you don't get the reward at the end of the week, which is that cha-ching, right? So I have to yield everything that I am to the Lord. Everything I am belongs to Him. I I, I can't look for the details and not move. I got to do something. The reason we can't get any more details from God is because (laughs) He can't get us to move from where we are. God's as I said, I, I've looked and I've talked with our staff on different occasions, and it's interesting um, that the calling of God. I was, Sister Frances, I had, we had our funeral this past Sunday, and this was, a, this was a lady that the calling of God didn't come with conditions. The Lord spoke to her and, and, and Pastor Billy, and guess what they did back when they were 21, 22 years old. Told them to go to Africa on the missions field when you didn't have you didn't have a great means of communication. You had letters and I don't even know if you could actually phone back then from Africa to the States. So you know what they did? They packed up everything sold what needed to be sold and they took off. Because the calling of God didn't come with conditions with him. And as they went, the signs, the wonders, the miracles, the dead was raised. Yes, demons were cast out. There were people in Africa that were set free. And now we have such a a movement of love and truth churches there in Africa simply because the calling of God didn't come with conditions. Well, well, yeah, but, but it's not going to be comfortable. No, 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 it's not. And, and you've got to let that stuff go. Well, I, it's not the way I want it to be done. I'm sorry. God didn't tell you. He didn't give you every step and every detail. You just haven't started yet because your attitude's not in the right place. God says, just take off moving and watch what I do. The road will literally, supernaturally appear before your face. It's clear according to what God wants. Because you want to know what faith is? If you are taking notes, you might want to write this down. And if you don't hear anything else tonight and you start snoozing after this quote, get this. Faith is measured by movement. Faith is measured by movement, which means there's something you have to do. If there is no movement, there's no faith, no matter how faith-ish you feel. The Syrophoenician woman, Jesus gives her what we would look to be an insult whenever she says, heal my daughter, she's demon-possessed. Jesus says, I can't give the bread that's meant for the children of Israel and give it to the little dogs. And for most of us, we would have checked out and left the room right at that moment, but she said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs can come eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table, And because that her faith wasn't built on feelings, nor was it built on facts, she got what she asked for. And she moved a Jew that had no dealings with a a Gentile in that moment she brought because Jesus saw she was hungry. Her faith moved the heart of God and she received when the, the whole Jewish realm didn't believe who he was to begin with, but they could see him. Faith can see beyond the impossible. It sees beyond the connections that we think we have to have in that story. Look at that. So Genesis 22.4, let's move on a little bit. Genesis 22.4 says, on the third day, that's important. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place. Remember, the Lord told him, he said, I want you to go to the mountains of which I'm going to tell you. Mount Moriah is in this area. I want you to go and I'm going to show you. So as he walked, the, 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 the location, the vision became clear because he's walking by faith by what he heard, right? Abraham knows. He knows he's going to kill his son. But look at what Look at what verse five says. It says, then Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey and I will go with the boy. I and the boy will go over here and we will worship and we will return. What did the Lord say to him? I want you to go up. I want you to kill your son, sacrifice him unto me. But Abraham, there's something about, I don't know if you wanna call it stubbornness in the moment or has he had an encounter he has an experiential knowledge and an encounter with the Lord that he knows all is going to be okay and we will return you understand when you burn something I'm not trying to be morbid or or, or, or whatever you want to say there's nothing left there Abraham to bring back he knows here's the reason the reason is because when you're walking in faith, you have to speak the truth in the middle of the contradiction. You with me? You hanging with me tonight? I'm going to ask you that a few times. I'm going to try to pull on you. So Abraham, is, he's going to sacrifice Isaac. But in the middle of this contradiction, he's heard what the Lord said. But he still knows. There's something on the, on the inside of Abraham that knows God is able. Hebrews eleven seventeen through 19 says this. It talks about by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And the one who had received the promises was offering up his only son. It was he to whom it was said through Isaac... Your descendants shall be named. So guess what? God already had a promise. I mean, Abraham already had a promise. If you backtrack that, a few chapters in the book of Genesis, the Lord spoke to them, and he already knew Isaac is going to be the promised son. So when God already asked for his son Isaac, he understood even though he kills him, God will be able to raise him back from the dead. The scripture says, it goes on, he considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead for which he also received him back as a type. So he already knew there was something in Abraham to know. If he's dead, God can still raise him. And I'm gonna believe it. And I'm telling you, he had a tenacious, audacious faith. And people say, oh, he, but he was this and he was that. No, no, no. I believe that he was just like the people, just like us. I believe that there was something inside of him. It clicked, and he said, I, who, who am I? Whom have I in heaven but you, Lord? King David said that whom have I in heaven but you. You are the only one. There's nobody else. I don't, if you don't move, if you don't show up, then I'm doomed to fail anyway. Abraham knew if God could give life to a womb, Sarah, God could give life to his son again. Is there anybody that really believes tonight in the room? I don't know, but here's the deal: we we can be we can become so full of the culture, we can become so full and comfortable in in, in America that we don't have a hunger for the things of God. We're full, of, and, and it, it's hard. I'm gonna tell you. I mean, we've we've ministered. I've heard stories. Sister Francis used to talk about. uh, I just talk about the miracles and the signs and the wonders and things that she would see there. Even when we were in the Philippines, we had people that they. I don't know how they fit 13 people in a jeepy and drove drove it eight hours, but they came for a conference. They were hungry, and guess what? There were some that left their heels. Some left their baptized in the Holy Spirit. Some left their completely transformed, and it was worth it for them to pile up in this hot jeepy. Probably. on top of one another and make that journey and that trek because they, they well no I'm not making that trek I've got, I'm good here where I'm at I mean a lot of us would do that but when you have no other option you have no other and there's something inside it craves more if God calls you to a major exam don't forget what he did in the quizzes In other words, don't forget what he did yesterday. We're so apt to forget what God did yesterday. We're so, we, we're looking for, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm freaking out again. I'm freaking out. Yeah, but did you remember? What happened? Did you, is you remember that short? that you forgot how he brought you out of the hospital that time? How he, when you were financially in a, in a pinch and weren't able to, and all of a sudden that check came in the mail? Are you, are you so easy to forget? And you're living like, yeah, but, but, but if he may not this time. Remember what I talked about a few weeks ago? I talked about that you see those that move in bold faith. Abraham was one of those that moved in bold faith. But bold faith stands on the shoulders of trust, quiet trust. And trust can only come from relationship. Can't come any other way. If it's bigger today than it was yesterday, then guess what? If your problem, if your test is bigger today than it was yesterday, then guess what? God's promoted you. Now, here's the deal. We have so many that wants promotion pay. Hang with me. Everybody wants promotion pay, but nobody wants promotion problems, right? (laughs) Right? We all want that promotion. I want that job promotion. I want that, that spiritual promotion. I want, man, I'm ready to go up to the next place, but wait for a problem to come along. And that's a lot bigger than what you've previously faced, right? We love that pay that comes with the physical job because it brings a promotion, but, but more money, more problems, right? More issues. You got a lot of problems you're fixing to have to deal with once you step into that next tier. So it better be God promoting you and not the de- Guess what? Let me, side note on this. It's interesting that whenever Jesus is being tested by Satan that Satan takes him up on the pinnacle and shows him all the kingdoms of the world. The Father didn't take Jesus to that place Satan did. And after Jesus dealt with him he left him there. So you better make sure that God's the one doing the promoting and not Satan. Just an insert. Just saying so before, I know that job position looks so sexy, the pay is great. Uh, I mean, the 401 is fat, this, that, and the other. I know that relationship looks so good, and I know you want it, but is it what God wants for you, or is it something that's being dangled in front of your eyes so that you'll bite? Is it a snare? There's more responsibility because there's more weight that comes with that promotion. God's bringing these tests into your life. I don't know about y'all, but I'm an armchair quarterback. I played quarterback in high school, whatever that means. And uh, um, I, and when, now Brady's retired now, so football's over with pretty much. <laughs> Vols just really broke my heart again this year. i <laughs> hey. yeah, 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 yeah. I pray this will be all right. It's going to be good. All right, sorry, just self-coaching myself a little bit. But Brady retired, so, but I, I'm telling you, the guy was one of the most intelligent quarterbacks, he's better than than Peyton Manning, and uh <laughs> Sorry, I got the mic, so I can say that to some of Anyway, anyway, move on, move on. But I would watch Brady play, and at times, and he's throwing, and I'm like, he would throw a pick, and I'm like, I cannot even, why in the world? And here I am. I mean, I can't even run 30 yards without being completely winded. I'm getting better, but... And and this guy, you know, he studies film and he loves to study film. Who do I, I hated studying film in school, but he studies film for the team and and just players and knew their tendencies and things like that. But I could arm I could armchair quarterback him and I could tell him exactly what he needed to do. Here I am, the one that can critique and complain about this professional athlete that I I have no clue what he's experiencing and I have I. I've only experienced a six foot seven, three hundred and fifty pound lineman chase me one time, and it gave me a concussion, dislocated my right shoulder. I'm just saying that's happened once. I would not want eleven or five chasing me, but I could quarterback him, and I could I could tell him exactly what he was doing wrong. And I, it goes back to it; it's all a part of that place of promotion. And and if it's easy to say and critique and complain when you're not in the game and you're not doing anything. And so many of us, we're sitting on the sidelines and you've never stepped into the, you, you've never stepped into the plan of God. God spoke to you. He's trying to draw you, but you've never stepped in. But tonight, you've got to make that decision to step in. God's ready to take you somewhere. He's ready to bless you. He's ready to give you increase and prosper you beyond anything that you could ever imagine. But it, It's conditional. There's something that you have to do in the process. I gotta keep moving. Gotta keep moving. Um, Genesis 22, again, verse 7. Let's look at this really quick. Verse 7, reading through the story, Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, My father. And Abraham said, Here I am, son. He said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Pretty observant. Abraham said, Well, God will provide himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. So the two, uh, then they came to the place of which God had told them. And Abraham built the altar and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him up on the altar, the top of the wood. You know, there are uh, scholars that say that Isaac was anywhere from the age of 25 to 35 years old. And there's even one school of thought that says that he was over 40 years old. Now, regardless of how old he is, Abraham's a pretty old guy, and I believe that I could outrun. I I, I could do something. So there is a yieldedness, and there is a trust, because good fathers provide safety, security, and trust. And Isaac trusted his father. The Bible says that verses 7 through 11, it talks about, especially in verse 11, look at this. Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife and slaughtered his son, but the angel of the Lord, and anywhere you see the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, that is speaking of Jesus. We don't know him as Jesus in the Old Testament, but the angel of the Lord is Jesus. Because why, well, I'm I'm not going to say, let me just move on. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Now, when Abraham's name is called twice, that is very significant because God, I mean, it's very significant because it, the Lord is denot—it's denoting, it's denoting, uh, it's denoting, uh, it's denoting uh, well, I want to say stop. I mean, you know what I'm saying. It's very significant. Let me just say that and move on. But he gets his attention. He stops in this moment. That's why I said earlier that it's important to, Hear and know the proceeding word of God. You need to know the preceding word, but you better be paying attention to the proceeding. The what's the new word that's coming in that God is speaking if you have fulfilled what He's spoken now? And verse 12 says this: it says, He said, Do not reach out your hand against my boy, against the boy, and do not do anything for him. For I no, for I now know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, for me. Now, I don't know if you read scripture the way I do, but God is mentioned in Psalm 139 as being omniscient. He's the all-knowing God. Why would he say in verse 12 here, don't reach out your hand against the boy and do anything for him, or do not do anything to him, for now I know. For now I know. God, what are you talking about? That doesn't make sense. Why would God say that? He's omniscient. Does, does that not that make you, your brain start spinning, start thinking about what, the, what exactly that's referring to? Now I know. What do you mean, God? God is omniscient. And I believe, I'm going to say this and it's going to challenge some of you, but I'm going to say it. I believe there's some things that God doesn't know. God doesn't know failure, right? He doesn't fail. God doesn't know how to lie. He's not a man that he can. Next is, God doesn't know how it feels to sin because he's never done it. He's perfect. He's sinless. While God knows everything actual every, and everything potential of what could happen, he does not know everything experiential. Hang with me on this, because you're going to call me a heretic if you don't hear this. The reason God became a man through Jesus Christ, according to Hebrews, so that he could sympathize, as the book of Hebrews says, with our weaknesses, because God didn't know that until Jesus. Am I right? Okay. So I'm not a heretic. So Jesus the Son can explain God to God the Father, who already knows the information, right? God knows everything. He already knows the information, what the information actually feels like. Did you catch it? I know the Godhead is a mystery. I'm not even going to try to describe it. But God the Father did not know experientially in this. So what is being said to Abraham in verse 12? Ask the question. What is it that he's saying? He's saying, Abraham... Now I know because I see it and I feel it. Your act of obedience was experiential and it's proved something. It's shown me something. The angel of the Lord, Jesus, I, I see it and I feel it. In other words, you have given me the experience of your love, not just your lip service. Don't miss that. I know that's a lot. And I know it's Wednesday night. God is saying, do you love me more than your only son? Spoiler alert, he passes this test, right? God called forth an act, a faith act of love so he could feel it. Informationally, yes, he knew it. Intellectually, yes, God knew it. But God is saying, now I feel it based upon your choice. You made a decision. So tonight, if you think, well, well God, maybe he'll just do this and make me do that. No, no, no. No, God's looking for your choice. And the only way you can know what the will of God is is through Scripture and through prayer. That's the only way you know it. You can't know it any other way. If you neglect those two, you won't know the will of God. You won't know the plan of God. You have to. That is, that is how God flows, and that's how God moves. To, to, to communicate with us. So let me ask you this question. Tonight, what is your Isaac? What is your Isaac? That thing that God can't have because you're too simply attached to it. I can't give it up. No, Pastor, I just can't give that one up. Verse 13, this is what we all love to talk about and sing. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Verse 14, and Abraham named that place the Lord will provide, or Jehovah Jireh, as it is this day. Jireh, what does that mean? Well, provider, yeah, provider, it means see beforehand. That's actually what Jira means, see beforehand. So, what you get to see if I'm faithful and I'm obedient is the provision. You get to see it because God's already seen it in His prevision. That means He's already seen this well in advance before you ever saw it. God always pre sees your every step. What you're provided over here. God's already seen over here before you ever got to it. Remember, he is the author and the finisher of your faith. God works to the end to complete a thing and works back to you. He's committed to that process that he's got you in. So while Abraham is coming up one side of the mountain, look at this. Because he's been faithful, he, he is connecting with a, and on the other side of that mountain, guess what is coming up the other side of the mountain? There's a ram coming up at the same time every step. God precedes before he provides because what he provides, God's already seen it. I know that's a lot of seen-its in here, and you got to hang with me in it, but you'll get it because what we want, we want the provision. You can't have provision if you have no vision. You've got to trust and know and walk in what God's called. This has got to be in this story. This has got to be the quietest ram ever in in the history of rams because God keeps the provision quiet even though he's already made prevision in advance. The ram is caught in the thicket, and won't you think? Have you ever seen an animal caught up in something? I, I remember I, I've, I've always I like to aggravate animals our own I love our, I love our animals, but I like to aggravate them and every so often I'll grab a hold of Millie or. Our, Little, I forget what she is. She's a good dog. I'll grab a hold of her foot and I'll just hang on to it just to aggravate. It doesn't take long before she starts freaking out and mule kicking. And then all of a sudden she starts growling making a racket. This ram's head is caught in a thicket and it's quiet. How does Abraham not see it? How does Abraham not hear it? Again, because God silences those things to see what you're going to do. He keeps them quiet. So maybe it's because your provision is right here, right beside you. You have no idea because you hadn't took the step you need to take. So when I face this trial, here's, here's the question. How do I move from God's prevision, because he's already seen it, to grab a hold of my provision, which is the answer that I'm looking for that's going to make everything better through this test? Until Abraham had completed his obedience, prevision didn't become provision. It was not revealed until he had finished being obedient. Delayed obedience is still disobedience, regardless of how you look at it. Right? So, whatever God is going to do in your life in those situations, He has already pre seen it, but you won't see what how He's provided until you've completed what He's asked you to do. It becomes more clear. And see, here's the thing. Most Christians um, are part-time saints. They'll do a little something-something and wonder why God hasn't come through yet. Well, I did this. I attended a couple of weeks. I uh, prayed a little bit a couple of days last week. I read my Bible a couple of times. Where's my answer at, God? But the question is, have you finished what God asked you to finish? It's... Some people say, well, that's just here I am on year 15 still trying to walk through this whole process. It may take 20 years to finish. It uh, may, may take 20 years to finish whatever it is that you're looking at. And guess what? That's 20 years into the future. You'll see provision at the end of that. But are you being faithful every step of the way? If you delay obedience, you delay prevision um, from becoming your provision. You can't delay it. Be faithful and obey here. I want to Tie something in, AJ, if you would come. You remember verse four in Genesis? I just read it just a few moments ago. It said on the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance where he was gonna take his son. In John chapter 8, you can read this yourself. In John chapter 8, Jesus is having a discourse with the Pharisees. And he goes through this whole process and talks about, I'm actually going to flip over just for a moment, just to read this short section because I want to tie this in really good. In John chapter 8, the last few verses, verse 56, he says, Your father Abraham was overjoyed, That he would see my day and he saw it and rejoiced. So the Jews said to him, you're not even 50 years old. And yet you have seen Abraham. In verse 58, Jesus said to him, he said, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am that I am. That's who he revealed himself to in the old covenant. Right? To Moses, I am Yahweh. It talks about, they start to pick up these stones to stone Jesus. Now. Let me fast forward. Jesus said Abraham was overjoyed that he would see my day, and he saw it, and he rejoiced. They, and, and, and this whole, how in the world, Jesus, did you see him? Jesus said, Abraham saw my day, and he began to smile, and he was excited. So what did Abraham see? Mount Moriah, where Abraham was going to sacrifice his son Isaac, is located a few hundred yards from the hill of Golgotha. There's no time and space in God. You know that, right? God can open up a vision and let you see things into the future that you've never even seen. Abraham is walking to kill his son, and he looks up, and he starts laughing, and he sees something spectacular. And he just can only imagine. He looks, and he sees Jesus' day, I believe he looked and he saw a cross and for the joy that was set before him, knowing that he was going to sacrifice Isaac, he looked and he saw a cross on a hill called Golgotha. That's why Hebrews 12 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. While you're on the journey in your final exam, keep your eyes on Jesus because he'll help you get up the mountain of your test. Are you catching it now? Verse 4. And look at it. It says on the third day that Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. We don't ever connect these. But when Jesus said, Abraham saw me in his day. And he began to rejoice. Because he, he said, I knew him. How do you connect those two? I believe it was a prophetic epiphany that he has in a moment where the Holy Spirit opens the eyes of Abraham and he sees Jesus in his, I'm telling you, oh faith, obedience, hunger, intimacy with the Lord will allow you to look through the lens of the future in the in the kingdom of God and God will allow you to see some things that others won't see because of their unbelief. But it's through believing, it's through God, you're able. There's, there's nothing, and I'm telling you, that's why I don't take anything uh, or uh, in, in my mind, I don't allow anything to affect my vision when it comes to the prophetic because I want God to show me. God, I know that, I know you wanna show me some things. My hunger can grab a hold of something that was meant for another day and pull it into our hours. King David did it himself. So what am I trying to say? If you keep your eyes on Jesus, he will sustain your faith to cross the line. The finish line to your test stand to your feet when you're in doubt begin to look at jesus when you're afraid start looking at jesus when you're frustrated look at jesus he's the one that we focus on his life his death his burial and guess what happened in that after after he died guess what three days later what happened with abraham on the third day i saw it on the third day, I saw the glory of the sun. I believe it. I saw the glory of the sun resurrected on the third day. Some of you are being tested so strong in your faith, and you think the the devil's out to get me. No, no, God's trying to test you because He's trying to promote you because there's more attached to the power of. There's more available for you. There's more, more. And I just want to encourage you tonight. Listen, this church is becoming, I, I believe, and I've been praying. I, I pray often, Lord, let this house become a house of intimate worshipers of Jesus. Let us become intimate worshipers. That nothing, nothing derails us, nothing, nothing derails us, nothing distracts us, nothing takes our focus off of you that we don't become a part of the judging people that are critical cynical, that are gossiping and slandering arrest, with, with the rest of the culture but let us become those that when people come in with their brokenness with their alcoholism, with their drug addictions, with their porn addictions with their eating disorders, when they come in with, with their all sorts and types of issues and the things that they're not going to show anybody else that they're just going to, let us love them so well, we don't get to choose who comes God, we just, we're called to love so God help us to do that and help us to believe you for the impossible. I just want to pray over you really quick. Is there anybody that feel like even recently that 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 your faith has been tested? Anything I've said tonight? Hopefully, it pulls on some things in your life that you feel like, man, that's I know that's for me. Is there anybody tonight that feels like that your faith has been tested to the point to where you feel like you can't make it? Feel like it's your anybody. Close your eyes for just a moment. Bow your heads. If that's you, raise your hand high. I'm going to pray over you right here and right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, faith is being tested and you're the one doing it because you'll want to take them to a new, a new place. I pray in the name of Jesus for strength. I pray for dependence. A relinquishing of control and allowing you to be God unwavering, I pray that your voice is so clear for them to hear tonight I pray that you would give them great grace and empowerment to walk it out and do it kingdom of God come, will of God be done in the name of Jesus Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.